Paul writes, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Well, I wonder if you can think of a time where uh, something didn't quite live up to your expectations. Uh, maybe it was a film that you went to see, um, and you'd read some reviews about it, or you'd heard some great things about it, but then you were kind of left disappointed uh, after you saw it. Or maybe it was uh, a restaurant that you went to. Uh, maybe you'd heard some good things about that, and, and it ended up being a bit of a disappointing meal. I, I remember uh, about 20 years ago when I, I lived in London, um, I was a, a youth worker in a church, didn't have too much money, so I wasn't someone who ate at particularly fancy restaurants, but I remember going to one restaurant uh, that had just opened uh, near where I lived in the east end of London and having this fantastic meal. Uh, I was blown away by it. And I went home and I told my flatmate who, uh, he was a bit uh, better off than me, he was a, a trainee lawyer in the city at the time, and I was telling him all about this great restaurant. So uh, he decided he would take his fiance there. He was used to a decent level of going out and, and, and eating. So he thought, well, Athol said this is a great place, so I'm going to go uh, check it out. So he took his fiance there, and his fiance, uh, Julie, informed me that my review of Nando's wasn't all <laughs> it was cracked up to be. You know, sometimes things don't live up to our expectations. Uh, but what about when it comes to following Jesus? Is being a Christian living up to your expectations? And what should your expectations be when it comes to the Christian life? You know, some have taught that if you become a Christian, then you should expect life to be easy, uh, that it should be a life of material prosperity and good health. In fact, there were people in the Ephesian church where Timothy was ministering who had begun teaching that kind of message. So is that what we should expect? Does following Jesus make for an easy life? Well, that's certainly not the message of 2 Timothy. According to its author, Paul, a faithful follower of Jesus should expect to suffer. And certainly Paul knew what he was talking about. He, he wrote this letter in chains in a Roman dungeon awaiting execution. He begins verse 8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now, if you were here last week, then you'll remember that Paul had called Timothy not to be afraid. And one of the areas in which Timothy might be tempted to fear was when it came to having confidence in the message that he had been called to share. Paul urges Timothy not to be ashamed of the testimony 
about our Lord. And he's talking there about the message of the gospel, the message of who Jesus is and what he's done. But why would Timothy be tempted to be ashamed of the gospel? Well, because in that culture, a message that centered around a crucified Savior, it was considered absurd. The Romans had various methods of execution, but if they wanted to make an example of someone, if they wanted to hold someone up to public shame and disgrace, then they crucified them. In fact, death by crucifixion was so shameful that it wouldn't even be spoken about in polite company. And a message about a Jewish peasant being crucified to save sinners, that was something that sounded so foolish to the Greek culture in Ephesus that some in the church had become embarrassed by it. And the temptation for Timothy and the pressure that he was under by some was to dumb down the gospel to make it more appealing, more acceptable, not just to the culture around the church, but to those in the church who wanted a more palatable message. And it's a temptation that is still alive and well today. It's seen in those who who advocate a more progressive or liberal approach to Christianity. They recognize that, that biblical Christianity teaches things that are offensive in our culture. And so they seek to reform the message into one that will be more acceptable, more uh, uh, pleasing to the surrounding culture. One that will be less likely to be met with hostility because it doesn't carry the same offense as biblical Christianity. But if you affirm whatever the culture affirms at any given moment, then what you end up, uh, what you end up with is a church that is indistinct from the culture. And when you have a church that is indistinct from the culture, a church that is ashamed of the gospel, well, decline and death soon follow because the Spirit of God has left the building. It may look like a church, it may sound like a church, but a church that's ashamed of the gospel, of the testimony about our Lord, has, by any biblical definition, ceased to be a church. And you only need to look at the history of the church in this country over the past 70 or so years to see the devastating impact that a a progressive or or liberal approach to Christianity has had. With the exception of a few biblically faithful churches, the national church in Scotland has seen massive decline as it has departed from the gospel over that time. And so Paul urges Timothy, don't go down that route. Stay strong. Don't be ashamed of the gospel message. And then he pleads with him, don't be ashamed of me. Now, why would Timothy be tempted to be ashamed of his father in the faith? The one who had trained him, the one who had ministered alongside him. What could possibly cause Timothy to abandon him? Well, it was Paul's shameful status as a prisoner. To be a prisoner really was the lowest of the low. Paul had been well and truly cancelled by his culture, and anyone seen to be associating with him was at risk of being infected with the same contagion. 
to remain a friend of Paul at that time, Timothy risked bringing the same shame and derision upon himself. Paul had already been abandoned by close ministry colleagues who no longer wanted to be associated with him. And he was concerned that Timothy would go the same way. But to abandon Paul, who had been imprisoned for his faithfulness to the gospel message, was akin to abandoning Jesus himself. You know, we live at a time when we're all too aware of cancel culture, and it's likely that we will see, uh, it will increasingly see Christians cancelled for their faithfulness to Jesus and his message. And the challenge for us when that happens is will we be prepared to stand with them, even if it risks our own reputations, even if it means we might be misunderstood or even vilified? Or, or will we distance ourselves? Will we keep our heads down? Will we go along with the culture to avoid bringing any shame on ourselves? But when we do that, when we're ashamed of faithful Christians who are suffering for their faith in Jesus, then we're at risk of being ashamed of the one that they proclaim. Paul's plea to Timothy was to not be ashamed. But if we choose to remain faithful to Jesus and his message, then that choice will inevitably lead to suffering. That's what Paul assumes as he urges Timothy, verse 8, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul's expectations for Timothy and for all faithful Christians are a million miles from the health and wealth prosperity message that says, come to Jesus for an easy life. Paul is saying here that if you are faithful to Jesus, then life is going to be tough. Whether it's in school, or the workplace, or in your sports team, whatever setting it might be, if you stand out from the crowd, if you live a faithful Christian life, then you can expect opposition. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound particularly appealing to me. I mean, I don't imagine any of us like the thought of facing hostility and opposition for our faith. We'd all prefer a quiet life. So how are we meant to stand for Christ when the pressure to fall, the, the, to cave in, to give up is so immense? Well, Paul is clear that it is not something that we can do on our own. We share in suffering for the gospel, verse 8, by the power of God. And in the rest of this passage, Paul explains to Timothy what it looks like, looks like to live a life empowered by God. I mean, essentially, that section of verse 8 is the, the key part of this letter, which Paul unpacks throughout the rest of this letter. Sharing and suffering for the gospel by the power of God. What does that look like? Well, he begins by highlighting what it is that God's people have been called to, verse 9. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Every Christian has been called to a holy life. It's not the, the privilege of a select few super-Christians. All of us have been called to live faithful lives in obedience to God wherever he's placed us. Some are called to Christian leadership. 
Others are called to the office, to the nursing home, to the hospital, to the factory, or to the football team. It doesn't matter where it is. If we're Christians, we all share the same incredible privilege of being called by God to live distinctive lives in faithfulness to Him. And that calling, it's not something that we've earned. We've been called, verse 9, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. We didn't do anything to earn the right to be called by God. God called us to Him by His grace. And and it's a grace that He goes on to say, verse 9, He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Paul is clear that, that God called us to be His even before time began. Now, it's my experience that that Christians can often find that a hard truth to accept. But it's actually tremendous news because it tells us that our salvation has nothing to do with our performance. The fact that we are saved by grace and not by works, that before we were even born, before even time began, God was pleased to call us to himself. It means that we don't need to go through life constantly feeling like we've got to earn God's favor, like we're letting God down. As Christians, we can respond to our holy calling in the knowledge that we already belong to God, that He is a heavenly Father who delights to call us His children. And notice, He's called us because of His own purpose. God had a reason for calling you. God made each of us in in a unique way. He gave us all different talents and and gifts, and he has placed us in particular situations. And none of that was by accident. God made you for a purpose. He called you for a purpose, and he's placed you with a purpose. Whether it's in the factory or the football pitch, the office or the hospital, he's called you to live out that holy calling, to not be ashamed of Christ or his message. And Paul goes on to sum that message up in a a few words. God's grace that called us before time began has now been manifested, verse 10, through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So in, in one line, Paul essentially sums up the message that that Timothy is to cling to unflinchingly. That a little over 2,000 years ago, God manifested himself. He entered our world in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And he went to his death on a cross to bear our sin. And then he rose again, defeating death, promising eternal life to anyone who would trust in him. Jesus really lived. Jesus really died, and Jesus really did rise again. The gospel, at its heart, is a simple message. It's the message of who Jesus is and what he's done so that we can know peace with God. The world may oppose it. The church may even tire of it and look to shift and change it. But that is the message that Timothy was called to proclaim and to not be sidetracked from it. And it's the same message 
that we are called to share today. It's the message for which Paul, verse 11, was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. Paul was well aware that it was his faithfulness as a minister of the gospel that had led to his suffering. He says, verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Despite the scorn and contempt with which the gospel was treated. Despite the embarrassment that Paul was to some of his fellow Christians. Despite experiencing abandonment by those that he once called friends. Despite the suffering that he had to endure Paul was not ashamed because he knew who he believed in. He knew exactly who Jesus was. He knew that in Jesus, the almighty God of the universe had manifested himself. The God who holds time in his hands took on flesh and entered our world, and he walked and he talked on this earth for a little over 30 years. And he called Paul for a purpose. He called him from a life of hostility and opposition to the gospel to a life of proclaiming the message that he had once hated. He called him from darkness to light. Paul knew that the transformation in his own life was a miracle. And he knew that the same God who'd called him would fulfill his purposes in the world. He would keep miraculously transforming lives as the gospel was shared by his people wherever God placed them. That's the way that God works. That is his strategy for salvation, placing his people with a purpose, to be faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus and trusting God's Spirit to bring people from darkness to light. You know, one of the really exciting things about this church, uh, as I've seen it develop over the past decade, is the way in which it has changed shape as, as people have come and gone. You know, we live in a very transient community here. Um, those of you who are here today, uh, many of you weren't here just even a couple of years ago. And, and as that has changed, as the makeup of this church has changed over those years, people have come with different passions, different gifts, different talents. And the church changes shape as the people who make it up change. And that's the way it should be. God has placed you here for a purpose with different interests, passions, gifts, for you to take those things and to use them for his glory. And Paul was convinced that God would keep doing that until the day that Christ returns. He would keep forming communities of God's people in different locations with different gifts, to keep sharing the gospel with those around them. 
and that the Almighty God would guard the gospel and his messengers until that day, that day that Christ returns. Now, imagine reading those words when they were first written. No doubt, some of the first readers of this letter scoffed at Paul's confidence. I mean, how ridiculous it must have sounded to them. The church on the edge facing intense persecution from the most powerful empire in the world. One of their key leaders writing this letter deep in a Roman dungeon awaiting execution. And the church itself weak and full of internal turmoil. No doubt some thought that the church was on its last legs, that it wouldn't survive unless it changed its message to appeal to the culture. And Paul's confidence in the gospel was just another reason to be ashamed of him, to mock him. How naive must you be, Paul, to think that the gospel will get a hearing in this culture? I mean, look at you. Look where it's got you. Look how you are suffering. It's similar to the kind of thing we might hear today. That the church is dying out. That Christianity is an embarrassment. That Christians are on the wrong side of history. That their time will soon be up. And the church will fade away. But friends, don't believe that for a second. I mean, Paul, he was absolutely right, wasn't he? His faith wasn't misplaced. He was rightly convinced that the risen Jesus was able to guard what had been entrusted to him until the day he returns. Fast forward 2,000 years since this letter was written. Today, that glorious Roman Empire lies in ruins. You can pay your ticket and you can walk around their ruins if you go and visit Rome. And here we are, the church, a gathering of God's people still here in 21st century Scotland made up of people from all sorts of different nationalities and backgrounds. The church today isn't just clinging on. We represent a tiny fraction of the ever-growing figure of more than two billion people on our planet today who call themselves followers of Jesus. And here we are, called by God to this place at this time for a purpose, to live out our holy calling, whatever suffering we might endure, to remain faithful to the gospel message, trusting in the power of God to keep building his church until the day that Jesus returns. So don't be ashamed. Endure suffering, trusting in the power of God to keep calling people to himself. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we Praise and thank you that the church is not dying 
that Paul's confidence was not misplaced, that you are at work building your church across this world, and you will guard your church until the day that your son returns. Lord, we pray that you would give us confidence in that truth. And we pray that you would give us the strength to endure, to be faithful to the gospel, even in a culture and in a, a time when we may be tempted to give up, when we may be tempted to dumb it, dumb it down and keep our heads down. Lord, would you give us confidence in your power to strengthen us to be faithful? Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the many ways in which you show that to us and the many ways that you um, deal graciously with us. Uh, and we thank you that now we can come to this table to take bread and wine and be reminded of your empowering work. We can be reminded of the sacrifice and the suffering that Jesus endured. Lord, we only need to look at our Savior to see that his faithfulness led to suffering, that he was willing to suffer on our behalf so that we might know forgiveness from sin and freedom today. And so we pray that today you would strengthen us by your Spirit and build us up as your family here to keep reaching out, to keep sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with our world. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen.